Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Today's guest is a true expert in legal operations. Kieran Malavarapu is the Executive Vice President and Senior Manager of Legal Strategic Services at Liberty Mutual Insurance. Kieran is a mechanical engineer by training, and he worked at General Motors for several years before joining Liberty Mutual as a senior business consultant. He then moved to a legal ops role in Liberty Mutual. In this position, he was able to apply his creative and problem-solving skills while also utilizing data and technology. Today, Kieran leads a team of over 150 people focused on managing outside counsel relationships, legal analytics, and predictive modeling. The department provides systems and technology solutions to the company's legal department, improving legal processes and driving innovation as well. It is one of the most well-known and well-regarded legal ops functions in the country. In today's conversation, Kieran discusses how a toy car inspired his interest in problem solving, the innovative culture at Liberty Mutual, what he's learned from working with lawyers, and storytelling through data. It was a great conversation with one of the true leaders in this field. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Kieran, thank you so much for making time to join us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Steve. It's both a pleasure and an honor to be part of this discussion. Well, I am I am equally honored to be chatting with you. You guys have been doing such incredibly impressive things over at Liberty Mutual for a long time, actually. Let's set the stage a little bit for our listeners. You currently lead the Legal Strategic Services Group at Liberty Mutual's legal department. To give our listeners uh, a little bit of context, talk a little bit about sort of that organization, its size, and the similarly the size and composition of the uh, of the legal department, so that our folks have a sense for the magnitude of what your responsibilities are. Sure, Steve. The Legal Strategic uh, Services Group is the legal operations group of uh, Liberty Mutual. My team is responsible to manage outside counsel relationships, legal analytics, and predictive modeling. We have a team that does project management and administrative uh, support. We also provide systems and uh, technology solutions to the larger uh, legal department. And we have a couple of people who are solely focused on innovation. How does the delivery of legal services change over the next few years? So my team is around 150 plus people with a majority of them supporting our claims operation or the policyholder claims litigation function. And the rest of them support the legal department, which is around 2,100 people strong. And most of these uh, 2,100 people are uh, our uh, field legal attorneys who practice law across the United States, uh, defending our policyholders in litigation. We also have other corporate practice areas, such as contracting, business unit, legal advice, investments, finance, and so on. That's a broad remit, Karen. That's got to be quite a challenge. And congratulations for doing it and being recognized as one of the most innovative legal operations teams consistently year after year from the ACC or Legal Week or whatever it may be. Thank you, Steve. That's a big, big responsibility and a large, large organization, and you do it incredibly well. 
Let's talk a little bit about how you got there because you're trained as a mechanical engineer. You have your master's from Virginia Tech. You then worked at General Motors for a number of years before coming to Liberty Mutual and working in their business side in various positions for four or five years before you moved into legal strategic services. That move from engineering business to legal operations is perhaps not that unusual these days, but it certainly wasn't typical when you moved what's now, what, seven-ish years ago? Yeah, that's right. How did that come to happen and what was it that, that led you to accept that, that change at the time? Yeah, maybe I think I'll start with a story. In the 1980s, my dad bought me one of those remote-controlled toy cars. I was probably in middle school and then after playing with it for an hour or so, I went around looking for a screwdriver and opened it up just to understand how it works, trying to reverse engineer how the parts and the motors and the switch worked. Probably did that many times. And I have to say, my parents still have this toy car sitting in the attic somewhere. <laughs> so um, when I, you know, when I step back to think about my career, I gravitate towards problem solving dealing with ambiguity, creating some structure out of the ambiguity. My focus has always been trying to make things better, a group better, a team better, the society better, right? So trying to make it better or efficient. And any role that allows me to bring creativity and innovation to the table. So I think that was the, you know, the engineering mindset took me to General Motors in their research division. And then when I pursued my MBA, I was focused on data analytics, process mapping, finance, strategy. And, you know, I I would be lying if I said I always wanted to be a legal operations manager. But when the legal operations role was offered to me, it had three major elements that really sold me on it. A role that allowed me to build on my strengths, such as problem solving or ambiguity a role that allowed me to learn new things. Honestly, I did not know much about the legal department or the law around that particular time. And finally, a role that allowed me to be creative and flexible and innovative because at that point, our former uh, chief legal officer, who was my manager at that time, wanted to make the legal department the best legal department out there. So we were trying to push ourselves and make our organization even better with utilization of data and technology and process. So that's how I ended up being in legal operations. Let's unpack a couple of those things, uh, Karen. First, you were coming into an organization that the reputation and innovative culture has only accelerated during your tenure there, but it also wasn't new. Liberty Mutual has been known as a creative, innovative law department for a long time. I can remember visiting Bob Taylor, if I recall correctly. It was the first time I saw a Kanban board outside of Seifert's walls in a a legal thing. You were coming into a culture that supported these initiatives. Was it the leadership? Was it the culture of Liberty Mutual? What was it that created this foundation off of which you've been able to build and accelerate success? Um. I would probably say it takes a, you know, it takes a village for any organization to be successful. So I would always start with the uh, people, 
that I work with and the people that, you know, we have always hired at Liberty Mutual. We tend to develop and work in a culture where diverse perspectives of people, no matter what your role is, what your title is, are always welcome and are included as part of the conversation. So every one of us can bring our unique culture, our values to the table, which also facilitates an easy discussion of our perspectives and the skill sets that we can depend upon and be very open about it. That makes a huge difference, doesn't it, in creating an innovative culture? It does. It does. And I think diversity of thought comes from different people with different experiences and perspectives. So today, when we have any particular issue, we normally tend to have a paralegal and an administrative professional and an attorney and a practice leader and a project manager, all of them working together to make something better. And that allows, I think that is the culture that we are founded upon. And that is the culture we are constantly trying to uh, engage and energize in our organization. That's a real competitive advantage for Liberty Mutual. Kudos on, on building on that culture. You also talk about learning new things that you didn't know much about lawyers. You, you came from an engineering and business background and set of professional experiences. What was it that surprised you most about working with lawyers, both positively and negatively? Yeah, let me start with the positive one. I think previous to my legal operations role uh, at Liberty, I was in a claims function within Liberty. And this part of my career was very valuable to me because I learned the importance of relationships, client focus, the art of business, bringing finance and strategy together to making an operation successful. So in the claims role, I learned how to put the customer or the client front and center of every decision, change, product, service, that we were about to design or change. Now, what does that mean? Who is the customer? Why is it important to the customer? When does the customer use this? How does it impact or benefit the customer? So one of the positive things when I jumped from the claims organization into the legal operations was lawyers and attorneys are always advocating and supporting their customers. So this skill was very transferable when I started in legal operations. Another issue I would call out is the focus on the business problem that was being solved. As an insurance company, we deal with many customers, many products, services, have large volumes of data. So we collect all of this information, qualitative and quantitative, to answer a specific question, a specific issue. So this kind of analytical mindset is very valuable even in the legal department because lawyers are trying to solve a particular business issue or a regulatory issue for their clients based on you know, analytical and logical deductions. Here, I would also point out a small change in the way the business operations, probably my engineering world and the legal world works, is engineers tend to rely on objective data, established procedures, while lawyers focus on precedent and, of course, the interpretation of the law. Engineers are a little bit more risk-taking. We are trying to, you know, we try new things, we pilot solutions, probably more quicker to action, if I may. 
versus I would say lawyers and legal departments have to focus on solutions that cover a wide range of scenarios. So understanding that difference helped me collaborate better with the legal uh, department. At the beginning, how did you learn these differences? How did you take in this information about lawyers and the way the business operated? There must have been a transition phase for you, a listening tour or communication structure or something that that you put in place to learn the operations and learn what made lawyers tick. How How did you do that? If I'm telling you the truth, I think it's still a journey. I'm still learning. I still learn new things about my own organization <laughs> uh, as well as the legal department. So yeah, there was a there there was definitely a transition period. When I first started in the legal operations group, I met with a lot of my peers and a lot of my team members to understand what the current state was. Who were we serving? Who do we think as our customers? What are some of the pain points the customers have? How were we addressing those pain points? What were the skill sets we were depending upon internally to solve some of these issues? And I was also trying to learn new concepts such as what does e-discovery mean? How does M&A work? How does compliance and sanctions work? So these were very new practice areas that I was being exposed to that I did not have much interaction with from my previous role. So I, I would say probably the first one to one and a half years, I spent a ton of time understanding the subject matter expertise within each of these practice areas. At the same time, Within the first 60 days, I was able to spend a lot of time with the people, build relationships with each one of my peers, as well as their team members. We were able to understand some of their quick hits, or I would say, you know, the low hanging fruit, if I may. And the legal operations team came together to solve some of these low hanging fruit issues. I would say that in turn, helped us build more trust and better relationships. So that was our, you know, transition, you know, that was my personal transition process in this role. That makes a ton of sense to me because it's still at its core a relationship business and it is. And and your your clients, if I can use that term internally, want to know that you understand their business and want to know that you can produce results that help them do their job better. Absolutely. And so your process makes a great deal of sense to me. I think one one thing I've noticed with probably should, you know, it doesn't work in life in general, but many of the legal operation team members and my colleagues in the industry talk about this. Relationship building is key with our business clients as well as the legal department. My way or the highway absolutely does not work. You know, we have to work with our internal clients, if I may, to build trust and then deliver solutions that both sides appreciate. You know, that's such an interesting point because I think that for people outside, people in private law firms that are used to working in a non-hierarchical framework, you know, a partnership is, you don't just order people to do stuff. You have to convince them that it's in their best interest. They tend to see corporations as operating differently when in fact, to your point, that's not the way it works. That's not the most effective way it works. Top-down management in the context you're talking about, 
is almost never the best way to accomplish results. Right. And I think I would change that to we need top-down leadership. We need top-down leadership that creates a culture where everybody can thrive. Each of their perspectives can be heard and we can work together to bring a solution to our ultimate clients. So from a leadership perspective, that is what I'm hoping to do within my role, as well as that is what I would expect from others. Does your team, and I think you've touched on uh, many of the elements of it, one of the challenges of an operations team and driving innovation and change is, is the change management process in the business, getting people to adopt technology or to do business, do their, do their professional business a different way or operate differently. Do you have sort of core principles you operate on that help drive success in the change management side of the business, irrespective of what the change is you're looking to achieve? Our change management process, I think, starts with communication. Communication is critical from the very beginning of the process. Why are we solving? Why are we changing a particular issue? So we bring together legal professionals from various practice areas. We hear them out. We create uh, sessions where they can brainstorm together, and then we help them create that solution. So what is vital here is having that communication channel open with the stakeholders and the team that is working on this problem. So that is our very first process. The second is having a continuous improvement mindset. Whether you're in legal operations or any other practice area, legal professionals must be willing to continuously improve their processes, systems, and strategies. The market is changing very fast. The stakeholder needs are changing rapidly. So having that continuous improvement mindset enables change management to go faster. And to create that continuous improvement mindset is both a leadership as well as our frontline responsibility. Leadership has to create an environment where we can try things, we can be open bringing up issues, and sometimes, you know, we have to accept failure and try something new, learn something from it and try something new. And then from a, a frontline perspective, we have to be open to that change by thinking about how best we are supporting our end client and how best we are supporting our business strategy. No, absolutely. And that transparency around failure is is an important component. You touched on it. It's, it's an important component that people need, particularly lawyers, need to understand that as long as you're learning from failure, that you're adapting your quickly, that you're fixing the problem. It's okay to take some risk. It's okay to push the edge of the envelope as long as you're willing to admit that you can do it better. One of the things I read, and I don't know if you still do this or not, but you had a, a program called Legal Design Challenges. That's right. Yeah. The materials I read were pre-pandemic. So I don't know if you still do that. We actually still do that. And we have, I think this was our sixth year of uh, doing that. So we have, uh, we have done it even through the pandemic. Uh, tell me about that because it sounds, it sounds awesome. 
Yeah, so the legal design thinking challenge. Uh, so we do two versions of it. Uh, so we have an external legal design challenge and an internal legal department design challenge. The concepts are very similar. Uh, the audience is just different. For the external, we try to invite uh, L2, L3 uh, students so that we can spread the concept of legal design thinking before they come into the real world. But the concepts are, again, similar. So what we do in the Legal Design Thinking Challenge is an annual event where we bring in attorneys, paralegals, administrative professionals, technology, project managers, anybody in the legal department can participate in it. We create cross-functional teams. So last year, we had around eight teams with five to six members each from each one person from each of these functions. And we ask them to discuss a particular operational issue they have been focused on or they have been thinking about. Then we give them a one to two hour training on the principles of design thinking. How can you brainstorm? How can you take some of these brainstorming ideas and bring them to more of a viable solutions? And then how do you pick one viable solution and how would you implement it? So we give them a design thinking 101 education, if I may. The next day, these teams then present to a group of judges, including the CLO, and they have to pitch why their solution can actually solve the problem that they stated. How did they think about the impact of the problem? And what are some creative ways they came about to solve this particular issue? So we create some kind of a competitive environment. And some of these pitches have been hilarious. Um, which I have visions of Shark Tank dancing in my head. It is. It is, <laughs> it is you know, so some of these teams have actually taken, taken some, if I may, skits uh, from Shark Tank and they pitch it in a great way. The beauty about this, though, is a large population of the legal department understands what legal design thinking means. They are also able to understand each other's perspectives, right? Very few times an attorney directly works with a technologist. So we are able to bring those people and we are able to connect those people. This year, we actually did it globally. So we had a hybrid version where some teams were uh, completely remote. Some teams were actually in our Boston office and it was very smooth. So we we love the event because it brings people together. Uh, we have so far piloted, I think, three or four uh, major solutions that these teams have come up with. And I assume there's a communication within the department and within or perhaps the company broadly on these three or four solutions to herald the success and the generation and crediting the people who participate, uh, because I presume that's acknowledging their contributions is an important part of the change process. Absolutely. Absolutely. The day of the pitch, uh, which is our second day of the design thinking event, we invite the entire legal department to participate and hear through all of these pitches. So they're essentially not only presenting to the judges and the CLO, but they're presenting to their peers and the entire department. And people are very energized. They create their team names. You know, some of them have their own T-shirts. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah, but absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely agreed. You know, we do recognize all of the people who are involved in the participation, as well as, uh, you know, we have some recognition awards for our first prize, second and third prize winners. Uh, that's awesome. That's 
That sounds incredible. I'm, I wish I could see the, uh, the, the judging at some point. It would be cool. Let's talk about the role of data because I know you've got a team in the LSS that focuses on data. What's your philosophy with regard to utilizing data to communicate to team members, to drive performance, to drive change? I mean, I've seen data having a powerful impact on people's decision making. I assume you've seen the same thing. How do you, how do you utilize the data in a way that drives strategic objectives for the organization? Yeah, data is a key part of our, uh, the power of storytelling, if I may. And the power of storytelling is important, whether it's a change or a new product or even talking about our value to our clients. The legal uh, department at Liberty has been collecting data for more than 10 plus years. It's sort of natural for an insurance company to collect some of this data. So we utilize this data to tell multiple stories. Let me break a couple of them down. One, from a pure operational perspective, we can look at data to tell the story about our capacity, who is working on how many matters, where are they located, where are they coming from, which client is requesting what kind of services. So we are able to collect some of this data to talk about the operational side of the story. We also have uh, litigation data, so we can talk about litigation trends, outcomes, case turnaround times in various jurisdictions, which then also leads to financial measures and other such results. One of the key changes we have been able to make since we are collecting some of this data over years, we are able to look at trends. We are able to look at market trends. And that is helping us a lot more. If we can think about regulatory trends, if we can think about litigation trends, which county, which state, we can also look at trends around our outside counsel. What kind of specialties do we need? Where do we need them? So looking at the trends, we are able to sort of help our operations come up with these insights and be better prepared operationally. The third one is where I would say the predictive power of data. Can we look at the large volumes of data and utilize data science, artificial intelligence to predict what could happen to a particular case, a particular matter, or you know particular trends? And I think that is where we are seeing a bigger, bigger value for the efforts we are putting in. That predictive is sort of the holy grail of data, isn't it? To be able to give you accurate information about what probably will happen so that you can make better judgments based on what to do about that. Absolutely. The power of data and all the insights we drive from it has to be utilized, has to be embedded into the actions of the operation. Only then all the power of analytics has been utilized. Otherwise, it's just a fancy report with no business value. So we are utilizing this power of data to predict whether it be a financial outcome, whether it be an operational outcome or a regulatory trends, and then better prepare our legal department or our internal clients to prepare for the future. 
That's awesome. And I, I know we're running out of time, but if you'll bear with me one more time, I, I barely scratch the surface of the things I'd love to talk to you about, Karen, and we, I could keep this going for, for hours. But I know that one of the other things that's important to Liberty Mutual, it's important to you and your organization is DEI. And I know that you focus on diversity, inclusion, equity as part of your mission. Talk a little bit about the importance of that and sort of how you bring that mission into the operations of the legal department. Yeah, it is interesting that the corporate legal department at Liberty had a DEI committee at least 15 years ago. That's amazing. Right. So um, it is sort of very embedded in our culture way before even I started in legal operations. So I'm proud to be part of that culture. I'm proud to be driving some efforts in that space. The importance of DEI, both on a social moral level, but also on the economic level. On the social level and moral level, if I may, I think, you know, we are past the discussion to talk about why it is important to us morally. But I find it from a business perspective, having people come from different walks of life, share their experiences and their insights makes our product, our services better. We do practice, the legal department are in our attorneys, we do practice in multiple counties of United States, every single, every single court, every single jurisdiction out there. So we do want to internally look like the policyholders that we represent, the jury that we are practicing in, in front of. And more importantly, economically, there have been multiple studies that talk about diverse teams perform better than non-diverse teams. That's certainly got to be your experience because it's certainly mine. And it is. From our perspective, that is the culture we have been driving towards. We have been lucky to have that perspective. Even within our legal operations team, I have diverse members from multiple walks of life and with different skill sets, all working together on a similar issue. So diversity is not even an option. It is, uh, for me personally, it's a reality. It is happening in our organization every day. And I think it should happen for any company to be successful. No, absolutely. I, I want to congratulate you on both the success in the diversity front, but also the success of the LSS. I didn't even go through all the various awards you've won. It would take too long to uh, come up there, but you guys are doing some incredible things. And I really appreciate the time you spent to talk about. We just scratched the surface, as I said, on a few of the cool things you're doing, but I Karen, I really appreciate your time and your insights today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. It's been an honor and I uh, appreciate your time too. Thanks for listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Be sure to visit thepioneerpodcast.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.